My name is Brendan Patrick, and I just want to thank you all for getting us to 100 episodes. It means a lot to us that we have been able to speak just about queer literature for 100 episodes. And honestly, it's been so exciting to be able to interact with everyone and to speak to all of our author friends and to just learn more about, you know, the queer community through different voices that we've read about. With your support, we've been able to get here, and it's so exciting that we get to present to you episode 100 of the Superlit Podcast. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Robin Stevenson. I'm Adam Sass. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to the Superlit Super Podcast. Podcast. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We started out hard mode today. We yeah. These simultaneous <laughs> we, yeah. We don't intros. have two people going at the same time, so I appreciate that. Listen, it's 2022. Nothing happens in synchronicity anymore. Everything no. is out of joint. So this is, that, <laughs> that's what you get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Super Lit Podcast is a bi-weekly podcast pertaining to books about the LGBTQIA community. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hi. Hey. We have Sophie Green here. I'm Brennan Patrick. We have Robin Stevenson. And we have Adam Sass here today. It's our 100th episode. Ooh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> One zero zero. This is this is a milestone. Yeah, truly. There's too many. <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of How long did it take you? Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to be here for this. Yeah. It took us... How long least, did it take you to get to 100? Um, so I think the first episode went live in 2018, if I remember correctly. Um, Because that's, I think, when I started doing it. We had been doing it for a year, I think, when we went to Ireland. Is that right, Sophie? That sounds right. Yeah. So I started it in January of 2018. And then I was like, Mm -hmm. I need Sophie. (laughs) I need a person. No, I was like, you're doing a podcast? I like to talk. Yeah. (laughs) I love books. Yeah. I need a smart person here. (laughs) Um, So for the 100th episode, I kind of wanted to talk about something that's been going on a lot here in the States, and I think uh, other places as well, is uh, book bannings, especially specifically targeted towards the LGBTQIA community. And I know it's not specifically just us two, but it's a large portion of it seems to be just (laughs) a book that might have a queer person in it by a queer person, Mm -hmm. looked at a queer person once. It was just, there's a lot going on here. Right. Um, so since this is the topic, I feel I should ask the question. Are you yeah. able to swear on the Super Lit Podcast? Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Before we get into this. Yes. We do. <laughs> so constantly. People. Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Those um, of you like, okay, exactly how descriptive can I get? <laughs> the spirit um, moves you. Yeah. If whatever possesses you to speak. Um, but Beautiful. I figured I'd ask both of you on, because I think you both uh, have experience with this. 
um, or have uh, seen this happening to fellow um, authors. So I just wanted to open the floor to you guys. Have e- have either of you had a book that has been banned in the past year or so? I'm assuming, yes. I think uh, I've got about half a dozen that are on various challenge or banned lists at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say my book is probably banned in spirit. I think, uh, so my book, Surrender Your Sons, has all the makings of something that probably should be banned, but um, Surrender Your Sons can be a bit stealth. So I have not seen it really, you know, hit any of these like most wanted lists right now, the, the evil most wanted lists. But I think... Surrender Your Sons, uh, which is about, um, you know, a group of queer teens who rebel against the conversion therapy camp. And it's um, it's a big, uh, big revenge fantasy is, you know, kind of a bit of an example of like what probably we should be doing right now. Um, you know, it's a little extreme. They get very they, they can get violent in the book. But um, it's one of those things where I feel like this definitely, you know, probably should be banned, but I think I've sort of hooled around that so far right now. But um, my next book, The 99 Boyfriends of Micah Summers, which comes out in September, um, not a stealth title, not a stealth cover. It's very obvious, you know, what it is. So um, I'm sure I am, I am, I am bad list bound. Yeah. Yikes to that. <laughs> Very yikes. Because I think that that's something you you brought up before, which is like, Mm -hmm. they're banning stuff for like, they're, I mean, I mean, they were banning, you know, books that are, that have no sexual content whatsoever. They are banning hugging, even friend intimacy. Like, I mean, they're, it's just the identity that they are banning and and calling pornography. So that's really kind of what we should be talking about. So there really is no well, just edit your book a little bit to fit that. Like they're really, I mean, they're, they're banning it pretty much down to the bone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my books for, for really young readers that are, are getting challenged just because they have like a family with, you know, two moms or whatever. Like there's no, there's, yeah, it, it's not about sexual content except that people sexualize all queer content regardless. So mm-hmm. yeah. It's not to say like, sexual content is the thing that should be banned it's just i think it's one of those things where like yeah no but that's but i know that's kind of like i want to i feel like i hit that really hard early on like it's not even sexual content but like it's just it's it it may it's like this is like non even nonsense you couldn't even make a a platform to ban a book like yours Mm -hmm. yeah i can't literally cannot fathom banning a children's book that is just like the the topic is like oh yeah this this child has two moms I, I I just can't fathom it, and it's just there. Well, I mean, they couldn't really. Um, I think it was in the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. There's a character who has two moms in like a. It's a very brief. It's not it. It is it is rep, but not rep. You um, know, mm-hmm. it is a kind of a throwaway moment. Um, not necessarily throwaway, but it's it, it is it is sort of what you would expect to be a lift out of both scene. Um, and and that movie did get banned in a few countries because it just exists. Um, so, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, I feel with the, with the books for with the books for teens. I I feel pretty strongly about the importance of like letting teens read what they want to read and not censoring what mm-hmm. teens are reading. And lots of teens, of course, are reading books that are written for adults. Um, mm-hmm. 
so, you know, I think that um, it is really important for teens to be able to get information about sex and to see positive representations of sexuality in books and all of that. And I will absolutely defend those books, um, you know, to the end. I think that there's something about the banning of the books for the youngest kids, which just are are, are being banned just because they show the existence of queer people that mm-hmm. really points to the... Um, motivation of the people doing the banning that this isn't just about um, not wanting sexual content um, this is really about not wanting any representation of queer identities um, in books at all for any age um, mm-hmm. right on has that happened so you're from where in Canada are you from again Robin um, I'm on the west coast British Columbia okay yeah. Is it happening there too, or is it just the books that you sell here in the States? Yeah, I mean, I've had books challenged in small ways in Canada, but it's been more sort of one-offs. You know, Mm -hmm. I had a presentation I was doing in a library where I had a teacher stand up mid-presentation and tell me to stop talking about LGBTQ issues. Um, And I've had schools cancel school visits at the last minute or email me at the last minute and ask me to not talk about LGBTQ issues like that kind of things happen, but it's been one-offs. There isn't mm-hmm. the same organized <clears throat> effort to see books banned that we're seeing right now in the U S. And so in terms of these sort of, you know, mass bans where you get these lists of, you know, 10 or 50 or hundred or 800 books that are being challenged. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not seeing that in Canada right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's definitely, Definitely. I mean, usually if something's happening in the States, we do absolutely see uh, the spillover. And so I'm, I, I mm-hmm. think we really need to be pretty vigilant on this side of the border as well, because there's definitely, uh, you know, that that rhetoric does tend to um, show up here as well. So, yeah. That's something to like be very um that that is jumping out at me, which is you know it's 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 one thing to have these one-offs happen, but then I think in the U.S. you're seeing it. There's something extremely intense about it being written into the state. The state itself is enforcing it. It's very that's what is feeling militarized about it and organized and systematic. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but Robin is right. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I, I just name checked um, countries that wouldn't show the Doctor Strange film because of the two mom scene. Um, and I think sometimes in, you know, in the U.S., sometimes we have a tendency to be like, oh, well, you know, China will ban that um, film with sexual content or, or India will or Russia will. And there is a tendency to um, and as we, and even though we should be rightfully calling out whoever is doing that banning, there is a tendency to sort of feel like, oh, well, you know, you can get very comfortable or like. Oh, in the US, the US they, they wouldn't do that. Or that's Texas. I'm here in California. They wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And I think Robin is right, which is like this, there is, this is a borderless thing that is happening. There, and that's, and that's another thing that I really want to articulate at the top here. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I was recently, um, I was recently interviewed by a Texas publication, um, you know, for a comment on uh, a movement going called hide the pride. Um, I'm not sure if anybody's familiar with that. It's yeah. a long, the long story short of it is, um, Catholic groups are organizing basically to encourage people to go into public libraries, not just school libraries, public libraries, and find any LGBTQ books and check them out, never bring them back. So like sort of having having it be a systematic, we're just removing them from, if the, if, the, if the libraries themselves won't remove them, we will remove the books ourselves. Um, so to, 
to that, I just want to say like, there is no explanation for this. There's only one explanation. There is no like, oh, I can see what you mean by like, okay, well, certain ages and certain groups and certain types and sexual content and sexual this. And then that, that like, this is very black and white. And the sooner allies and our own community can get this really solid in our heads, the better they are doing this to hurt queer and trans people. That is the only goal that is underneath all words and faux parental concerns. They are doing this Mm -hmm. to inflict pain. They are doing this to cause isolation. They are doing this to continue to keep queer kids, even if they are their own kids, completely in the dark about these books, which can be mirrors to show kids, here's the type of life you could lead. Here's what you can potentially call yourself. Here it gives form and um, meaning to feelings that are very formless and meaningless when you are young and questioning. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to remove that. They want to stop that with queer people, with especially with 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 trans kids. They want to they want to make you afraid to show that part of yourself, to define that part of yourself, to stand up for that part of yourself. They want you second-guessing yourself. They want you malleable. So that's all these book bans are. They are doing it to inflict pain. And that's that's something I even bring up in my book, Surrender Your Sons. There is a moment of clarity where every other one of the evil counselors has a motive and a backstory and and a reason for this. And there's one character who they can't figure out why is she doing this. And then there is just a moment of clarity that washes over one of the campers who has probably been in the most in the tank which is just, you just like hurting us. And that's it. Like, mm-hmm. And that's what this is doing. This is causing widespread pain, fear, confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that's why, and that's why they do this. So I think, the, I think that's a starting point when you're asking yourselves, how do we stop this? Mm-hmm. You have to first understand why are they doing that and don't get drawn into a debate. Of, it just, it, they're doing it to cause pain. Yeah. That's that's sort of why the podcast started in the first place is because I started seeing books that like I couldn't have imagined existing when I was much younger. And, you know, things like Surrender Your Sons didn't, you know, exist for me when I was, you know, growing up, just getting out of Catholic school, going to public high school. Like that's when I started finding books that existed. And it was like, these books exist. They're allowed to be. And that's why I like wanted to start talking about them. And it's it's wild that at this point in the conversation, I'm like, oh, wait, now people want to get rid of them. Okay, great. For why again? Oh, because you're an asshole. Okay, great. Love that. Yeah. Sophie, do you have anything to add? I don't want to just like <laughs> steamroll you at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just listening to this conversation. No, I mean, I think uh, not to like backtrack too much, but I think like what you were saying, Adam, about like this being like kind of a global issue. I think a lot of times people fall into the easy argument of like, well, these are things that like aren't acceptable in other countries. And that's why that they're being like edited this way and not necessarily books, but like television and movies too. Like they'll put the onus on some kind of like other. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really is just like, no, these are the corporations that exist in 
the U.S., the people who have power in the U.S. who are also trying to manipulate things. And they maybe are leaning into it a little bit and being like, yeah, yeah, blame uh, blame the people over there. It's not us. We're, we're trying to help you. Buy our rainbow yeah. merch. Um, well, but, like yeah. Florida and Texas have... Florida and Texas have a lot of the same makeup of California. California is mm-hmm. a red state with three big blue dots in them, like every yeah. other state. It's a difference of who got in at what time and wrote what laws and gerrymandered what districts. Florida and, and Texas are two Republican strongholds, not because it's just rife with Republicans. It is because the wrong people got in there at the right time. Mm-hmm and fix things. And it's been very difficult to unfix that. Ronald Reagan ran California for forever, came from here. Nixon came from here. A lot of Republicans, the, some of the worst came from here. And I think that's something that's just very important when we're talking about that. I think, you know, Sophie, what you were saying, which is that othering is a way to wash your hands of that, to just go, right sucks for that like you know again it, it is and, it, and it's because that's comforting and i'm not saying that that's not nothing because i myself have felt overwhelmed by like how do you stop this i don't think so you think you, you can only stop this now and at a community level the state right. cannot stop it and, and the, the federal government is not stepping in in any way they are not even saying anything about this we are being quite literally abandoned to our own communities to fix this on a community by community basis, which is why I think it's so important that allies completely understand, A, this is happening. I mean, inform your ally friends that like, do you know this is happening? Do you know that, you know, are you aware? I understand that there's, you know, and and in a non-judgmental way, I'm like, I understand there are 12 very serious, huge things happening that are not this, but also there is a 13th happening that is very much this that is that is very serious um and understand like these these folks are getting in on a local city council level so does that mean you run against them for city council you get on the school boards and fight again this is being fought in little ways that's how republicans win these things is because they got the time and energy and they get in there on school boards and city councils and they make enough noise so I think people who are allies need to make as much noise and they need to be well-placed and well-positioned and don't get drawn into a debate of like mm-hmm. validity because we naturally want to be like, oh, everybody is the same even keel. I'm like, no, you have to understand these people are just here to cause pain and right. know to fight them. You just have to, the only way to fight that, I believe, um, is to just very loudly denounce them and, and call them out every single time, every, every trick, everything, and just and make it as simple as possible and, and really, you know, not take the everybody's a human being with their own motivations. I, I just, I don't think this is that situation. Right. Not every villain needs a backstory. Some people are just villains. Yeah, uh, yes. but I know I fully agree. I, I think it, it is extremely overwhelming and can feel kind of like smothering to think about just like the world abandoning the queer community. And what we really need to do is find the small communities in the cities and the towns that we live in 
and like mm-hmm. fight back, help the library that maybe is losing those queer books because people aren't returning them. Um, you know, find the queer spaces in your in the places that you live and help support them if you can volunteer. All of that. I really like the community. The grassroots movement is really like kind of the only thing that is holding me together right now, at least um, most of the time, because it can just feel so overwhelming. And I mean, we obviously would need we need to continue to push back against larger forces and really stand united, but it can feel better to know that you have like that smaller community that build up there before you go and you take the big bad down, you know? Mm -hmm. One thing I have found when my books have been challenged is that while the people who are doing the challenging are pretty entrenched in their point of view and, I don't know that there's a lot that one can gain by by trying to engage directly with them. I think Adam's right that they're they're that it's an attack on identities, on people, not just on books. And the, mm-hmm. but I do also think that there are many people who may not be currently acting as allies, or may not be speaking up, or may not even be really aware or tuned into what's happening, but who are potential allies and who are perhaps more reachable so I I know when I've had books challenged like in small communities that there have also been so many people in those small communities who've kind of stepped up and even organized on a local level to try to make change Um, Mm -hmm. and you know in one case a group of parents formed a a group to kind of try to put pressure on their local school board to be more inclusive and you know and and there was a bunch of really positive things that, that did end up coming out of that and so I think that you know it's important perhaps to try to engage in a way that might reach some of those people, the sort of potential Mm. allies. Like I would really love for more, um, you know, this this is often framed about being about parental rights, right? Which is infuriating for a few reasons, not least because it treats children as property and not as, as, you know, human beings who actually might have some rights or needs of their own own Um, but also because it's not about all parents rights like I'm a parent you know it's about making families like mine completely invisible so I would love to see parents who are not homophobic not transphobic who actually do want their kids to have access to all kinds of books and be able to read what they want and get the information that they want I would like to see those parents reaching out to school administrators and teachers and librarians and saying you know hey thanks for having that pride display and hey I don't know what books you're looking at using next year but it'd be really great if it could be um, some books that include LGBTQ representation so that when challenges happen the teachers are not only hearing from the, the bigoted parents who are trying to ban books, but can say, you know, okay, yeah, I understand you have a concern, but you know, I've actually had a number of letters from parents requesting this. And it's, you know, it's not just about your kid, right? It's about all the kids. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think that we do need to mobilize as much support as we can from the people who perhaps are not currently aware or involved or t- taking action, but, but could. You yeah. need to be more than just reactive. You have to be active and be proactive and mm-hmm. jump in before there is even, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like we have municipal no, elections Robin. coming up in my city in the fall. And I'm thinking, you know, school board trustees, like so few people actually vote for school board trustees. It's an easy way for a really conservative group to, um, you know, influence um 
on mm. a local level. And we saw this the last time we had municipal elections where you had people running on a sort of anti-LGBTQ um, information in school campaigns, right? Um, and if not that many people are voting in municipal elections, it's, it's easy for those people to actually get uh, end up on, on, on school boards and so on. So I think, you know, that that's a level at which um, it's really important for people to be to be aware and to be speaking up and to be voting and to be finding out where people stand on these issues. Mm-hmm. Robin, how would you um, how would you to people listening, how would you suggest they especially if they're especially if they're part of the community <clears throat> and would be doing a ton of emotional labor that they maybe don't want to invest in like basically how do you tell a potential potentially turned ally from someone who's more entrenched because I have found in my experience that I don't really know until I've wasted hours days weeks of emotional labor um in on them and they are very good at making you think that they are listening to you and then they just they just go "Uh uh i understand but but it's porn yeah i don't know i mean i find it incredibly disheartening how many people are not speaking up about what's happening right now um including within the writing community Mm -hmm. um i would really love to see more um cishet writers speaking up about these issues around lgbtq books um yeah and i don't know the answer i just know that i i just try to remember that if i'm speaking to somebody who's really entrenched and they're not hearing me and i feel like i'm wasting my time responding at all that it's not just about that person but also about other people who might potentially be listening who might be a little more open-minded and who might um be willing to shift a little bit in their thinking or to consider a different point of view and that you don't always know that those people are there or that they're listening. Like you don't know who might be hearing what you're saying, but it's probably not just the person you're responding directly to. Yeah. It's um, I would, I would caution anybody listening to just watch out for if you're in these conversations that you believe are good faith and they keep retreating to you know, sort of dog whistle phrases and, and you, and you do like be on the, like, honestly, it would be one of those things where you, you know, just be on your guard to give yourself a time limit of how long you're willing to talk about this. And I would say any potential ally should let you know that they are really listening to you within a few minutes. Um, if it takes you longer than that, I, I don't know what else, you know, again, like, I think we're thinking of very, we're talking about very, very easy moral questions here. These are not complex questions. They, I think people who are not allies and never will be love to make this as complex as humanly possible when this mm-hmm. is probably one of the simplest things um, ever. It's just a, you know, where you talk about like, oh, we, they can't learn about, you know, you see, you've seen the memes, you've seen uh, the Disney cartoons where it's man and a woman kissing and they so this isn't indoctrination, but this would be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's all the, I mean, it's, it's all very black and white. And I think the, 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 the way liberal people can get themselves into hot water very quickly and, and overwhelmed very quickly is to think that like more, more debate will solve this. Um, yeah. so I would say, I would say, give yourself a time limit on this, at which point you're just going to say, man, maybe someday down the road, they will have a revelation, but it's not going to be from me. Sometimes the best way to debate someone or sort of win them over to your side is especially if they're a close loved one. Mm -hmm. um, After you've done some good faith 
conversations, a lot of times, you know, because these are irrational things they are saying and believing. Yeah. Um, these, they're irrational. So rationality will not appeal to that. Um, a lot of times, the only thing, the only power you have is removal from their life. You're, you're, you're removing your presence from their life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, that's pretty effective. Because again, a lot of times these folks don't face a consequence um, mm-hmm. in any way. And they're, or, or they're like terrified of, you see the, the, the panic about cancel culture, so-called. Um, and there's, the, there's this panic of, it could be me, I could lose my job, I could be the one denied a thing, I could be this, that. I guarantee you, almost none of these people have faced a real consequence in their, in their yeah. days. Um, yeah. And so I think to have the temporary... If, to put the power in their hands to say, I'm removing myself from your life. The way to get me back is to meet me at the following things and to not budge. And that's an extremely painful place. Well, also, especially like if you are able to, if you are financially secure, if you are yeah. safe, if you are whatever, if you are in that position to do that safely mm-hmm. and where you could continue your life as possible and all you're risking is an emotional bond. Um, yeah. That is my suggestion, unfortunately, because it is getting that serious. Um, because yeah. right now, they, uh, we have seen a breathless amount of gall happening. The, the things that they are doing to trans kids in not just Texas, but in various states is mm. inhuman. Yeah. It yeah. is beyond, we're having a different a, a bit of opinion. This is they're they're being you know we've all seen the stories it is it is an inhuman it is a humanitarian crisis that is happening um so it is getting that serious so i'd say it is worth having a fight with your parent or grandparent or uncle or aunt to wave and one more vote away from these people to protect one of these kids because again what's happening is terrifying it's it's the amount of compartmentalization I've had to do in my brain just to like continue after reading some of these things. And I know we're all having to do that. And it's, and I'm, I'm, I would like to say I'm impressed with all of us with how much we're handling all, all of this. Cause it's not just stuff for our community. There's enormous widespread, all of this stuff everywhere. So, I mean, we're all shouldering in a lot of burdens right now. And mm-hmm. the last thing I would ever want to do is, is, is tell people to add one more burden to your shoulders. But, um, but it is very serious. So if you have a, if you have a, you know, you have someone close to you that you think could potentially even wake up after six months of you don't see me, um, you know, it, it could be, um, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've personally watched it work or personally haven't watched it work, but, um, you know, say I have, I have just permanently lost some people, but, it's, I think that's, I think that a certain point fear is the only thing that gets through. Yeah. And I don't mean like fear for their physical safety. I'm, I'm talking about like the fear of, Oh, I can't undo this thing that I've done. Yeah. When I came out to my dad, I remember him telling me, he was like, you know, there are a lot, he's a retired agent for the FBI. There's a lot of people who, hear that from their kids and they go, okay, um, I can't have a relationship with my kid. And he heard stuff like that at work. And he, he, he was like, why would, that's your kid. They're not different. Mm -hmm. You know them even more now. Do you not want a relationship with your kid? Like, I just don't get that. It's just, it's 
very strange that like you've made a choice to have a relationship with your kid. And at this point it's like, Oh, but I'm going to let this other thing get in the way. It's like, okay, well you're, you're doing the thing that you said you weren't going to do. You're choosing to not have a relationship with your kid again over something that it's your child's life. Yeah. And you're, you're allowing it to be put on the line because you want to vote a specific way or believe in that, you know, we need to check kids to make sure they're playing the right sport. Like what? Yeah. It's, um, it's very scary. Um, I don't, it's, it's, um, it's something that I did not think that, you know, at my, at my, at my late age, you know, like, you know, 20 years (laughs) after I came out, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, that I would be dealing with something more intensely than when I first came out. Yeah. Um, But a lot of this has been more intense, which I, I find, shocking um you know it's it's um and i think that is one of those things where it's like yeah i i think i think i think people take this mentality of you know it's just my vote because i think they've been republican voters their whole lives or they have this sort of certain identity u.s Mm -hmm. republicans you know i'm not sure how it is in canada but um, it's this, I've been voting this way my whole life. I've never voted for a Democrat in my life. You know, I have family members who do that, who are just in a rhythm of, I could never, it's, it's like voting for a different, it's like a different sports team. They yeah. were like, Oh, I couldn't, that's my team. It's, it's very right. strange and, and ugly. And, and, and frankly, at this point, incredibly reckless to not even investigate that any further. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because even then we're seeing people who are elected officials who are Republicans who are very vocally anti-Trump. And I was just talking with my father today, who's he's thankfully, a, 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 you know, not a Republican, but, um, you know, he was saying things like, you know, you know, because um, he lives in, in North Carolina and they were talking, we, we, had, we have talked in the past about, you know, oh, well, this area is very Republican locked. So it's important to get a anti-Trump Republican in, you know, versus that. And, and I just and I always say. Uh huh. I understand you're talking about decorum. How are they voting? And they'll yell and they'll be like, "Oh, we hate Trump. Everything he said, boo, um, disgusting." I do vote for what he wants. Like, and, yeah. and so it's like that. So at that point, I'm like, "Well, then you're just voting for tone of voice, yeah, which right. I don't care about." Um, so I think that's another thing that's important, which is like, yeah, it's it's, it's you know, uh, this has been going on back to back to Reagan, back to Nixon. This is the, the roots of this go far deeper. Um, mm. You know, you know, I think, I think the thing is, you know, Reagan and W Bush and, and Nixon had better decorum than Trump does. That's it. Um, yeah. I think the things that they wanted to do were just as heinous and the things they did do were, were heinous. Um, uh, the only difference is like one of them made some dad jokes instead of like, instead of this very off putting, stuff that Trump puts out, you know? So I think that's kind of another thing that I wish was a little more widespread was dispelling that like, Oh, this is a new thing that's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a little harder to ignore now. It does feel like we've gone backwards incredibly quickly from, from sort of, you know, 2015 or so when things actually felt quite Mm -hmm. hopeful and positive and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it felt like we had just come such a long way from when I came out and to now where I feel like, you know, we could be back in the late eighties or early nineties in terms of the kind of rhetoric that mm-hmm. is common and daily. Um, mm-hmm. And it is alarming the speed with which that has happened. And the fact that it seems to be escalating and that, as Adam said, it's, it's, 
this isn't just about you know rhetoric or book bans. This is about legislation being passed in multiple states that are directly um, you know undermining taking away rights, um, particularly from from transgender people, but um, also from LGBTQ people more 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 broadly, and the kind of rights that potentially are um, you know still on the on the line that we don't know. Um, nothing feels secure. Mm-hmm. Right now, oh, yeah. you know, and so oh, I yeah. think it's a, a really scary time. I was just saying earlier um, today that this year, you know, with it being Pride Month and not having really been able to celebrate Pride for the last couple of years, and now it's like, okay, Pride events are happening in person again, and it just feels bizarre. It, you know, I, I know Pride is always you know protest as well as celebration, but the the sort of celebratory aspect of it this year feels somewhat surreal um i was saying it feels i feel like we should be you know going back to pink triangles and forgetting about the rainbow flags because it just feels um yeah surreal to be i don't know what pride means this year you know it's it feels like a a very very complicated thing and at the same time i'm you know i'm doing school visits i'm talking to kids about lgbtq plus rights and about history and and i feel more at a loss this year about what to say to them than Mm -hmm. i ever have Mm-hmm. It's um, it's it has happened fast, and I would say even within the last six months, yeah, I would say it's it's, it's been that rapid, um, yeah. and it's been delirious a little bit, and it's and it's um, Robin, I'm not sure if this is if you, if you can report this, but I'm you know I've I've got several books I'm contracted to write, kind of I'm writing the ones right now. It's very, <laughs> I don't recommend that, but um, it's uh, I have had, you know, I'm I'm a publicly accessible person you can dm me um a lot of and it's taken a lot of time to get me to realize that i don't have to read and definitely don't have to respond to every single message um because you know a lot of times if you engage with these issues in any way publicly um and you're and you're and you can have you know slip-ups they can people can reach you and um definitely being called a child groomer many many times um in the span of a few months when that is specifically, um, you know, for anybody, but I think especially for um, queer cis men, which is, it's a, it's a very big societal onus, this sort of you are a predator. Yeah. Um, you, by your nature, are going to hurt somebody vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an onus you grow up with, especially someone of my age who grew up in, in the nineties. This is something that is, it is used as the basis of homicides attacks. It is, it is, it is a serious, serious thing to say. Yeah. Um, and when that is leveled at you, when it has been leveled at me many times from people, even though they are acting foolishly clownish, like, and I know it's, I know it's all fake. I know it's all this sort of get under your skin act. I'm going now to write multiple books at once that include sexual content for that, that, that centers underage characters. And there's a ton of, and I, I found myself for the very first time having like, who oh, should I, should I bring it back? Like and it's, it has already begun working on me. Mm-hmm. And I have had to have long talks with my agent and editor and basically be assisted throughout the entire process because it has debilitated me. Um, and that was something that was very heavy in, I would say March when I was really seriously drafting my third book and dealing with a lot of that. And there was, um, 
the Disney Don't Say Gay stuff was out in the air. And we were really seeing an escalation with the schools. Um, and, and the groomer talk really, really hit the main line. Um, it was really hitting me very hard. And I, and it, it frankly, it put me behind deadline. I, I blew my deadline twice because I could not break through my mental barriers. I was having so many barriers to the book wasn't coming out correctly because not because there were sex, there were sex scenes, but there was they. it's a, this is a, it's a slasher movie that I say is screen meets clueless. And in those movies, the characters are straight, but like they're having just sort of casual sex talk. And even that, mm -hmm. because the characters are, they're 18 in the book, like, but it's like they're 17, 18. Like just, and just the fact of me, a not 18 year old person writing this, everybody had gotten into my head and yeah. I, and I, and I had allowed that. Um, and I felt a lot of shame because of that. Like it was, and I felt like it immediately was like, A, I'm doing a bad thing morally. And then once I pushed past that, I was like, oh gosh, I let everybody into my head. Now I'm doing a bad job professionally. Um, and, you know, that Penguin, who has been absolutely great and supportive for this whole thing, I was like, they have paid me to do this. Like I, I'm, they have, I, they have asked me and said, here's money, please go do this. And I still couldn't do that. Like that's, that's I am I am I am like pro, I I could not be more secure in myself and still it reached me so I can't imagine a vulnerable person right now who is no. who is not quite out who is in a place where they are not emotionally or financially secure I I can't imagine it makes me yeah. sick thinking about it because it shut me down in a very big way for a, about a month yeah, no I, I can absolutely relate. Adam, I mean, I think perhaps um, the last few weeks is when I've actually felt it the most intensely. But I've been thinking about, you know, I, I came out in nine, 1990, around 1990, got into teacher's college um, and decided not to go because I thought I cannot work in schools and be out. You know, um, I was working with kids at the time and was not out in my workplaces because of this whole you know, people aren't going to trust me with their kids stuff. And I don't think, I think it, it is worse for gay men. Absolutely. But I definitely internalized a lot of that as well. Didn't go into teaching um, and worked as a sexual abuse counselor for a decade. Um, so went into social work, worked as a sexual abuse counselor for a decade. And then to have spent the last few weeks and I, because of pride month and because of having written books like pride colors and pride puppy, which are for, you know, sort of, can you know pre preschool to grade two kind of kids um my dms have been full of groomer pedophile pervert etc 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 people taking photos of pride puppy but doing you know g is for groomer p is for pedophile because it's an alphabet book and sending me that stuff it's mm -hmm. been horrific and it absolutely taps into any internalized homophobia that you thought you had like dealt with decades ago mm -hmm. you know where you start thinking should i be writing this is this like am i doing you know it's it's infuriating um that it still gets me in that in that way um and i'm also working on a book now that's a queer book for middle grade students and right before this um podcast i actually just we're in we're in we're in edits I actually just took something out and made a comment saying, maybe we should just skip over this. because I think it's just going to cause problems. And now I'm thinking, Jesus, was that the right decision? Or did I just do that? Because I know it's going to be one of the things that people take a screenshot of and say, you know, this isn't appropriate. Um, mm. And it, it gets really hard to, to trust your judgment and, and not have this, this sort of mess with your head. And, 
And at the same time, you know, I want the book in schools. Um, so there's also a practical component too, right? Like, but the reality is the book's going to get banned by the people who are going to ban these books, regardless of the content yeah. of the book, it's going to get banned because it's about queer history. It doesn't matter, you know, what particular yeah. things I include or leave out or how much I try to cater to the people who right. would censor it. Then they're either not going to buy this book in the first place. And if they find it in their school library, they're going to challenge it and they're not even going to read it to do that. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a it's a hard time to be writing these books absolutely yeah because it's also i mean you're worried we're worried for our livelihoods as well we're wondering mm -hmm. is there going to come a point where it will be illegal to write these characters for this underage um and then at that point will it become not no longer financially advantageous for bookstores to carry them for publishers to buy them mm -hmm. that's something you have to let into your brain at this point um, and I think the thing that I had been, that I had talked through with my agent was, which was just like, there is no, again, you know, Robin, you said it, which was like, there's no, there's no meeting anybody anywhere. You're not going to imagine that. That's another thing where I go to these things where I'm like, you, I, I, you know, debate if you have the energy for it. For me, I'm just going, I have to keep all of my energy to keep myself, my friends and my loved ones above water. That's right. who gets my energy. I'm not, uh, listen, I, I feel like I'm, you know, like I'm helping someone with the crossword puzzle. You have got, you have been given the clues. Mm -hmm. You have been given the instructions. The information is out there. There is no excuse to say, oh, I just didn't know that we are, yeah. we are so plugged in. And again, and if you are that able to be that swayed by some misinformation campaign, if you are that vulnerable, you're going to be a shaky ally anyway. I don't got time for you. Um, that's that's really. I mean, I think that's what we have seen. I think in 2015 mm -hmm. we have we saw an enormous amount of allyship that, frankly, emotionally was like a, having a bunch of bots as your followers. And we've done a bot right. purge where it's like, yeah. oh, these are all fake allies. We're gonna do a mm -hmm. fake ally purge, and turns mm -hmm. out it's a lot fewer than we thought. But everybody who left, we can count on. And that's, I think going to have to be that's how i'm choosing to do it going forward because i know my bandwidth is shorter because i have to do with just like everybody else covid and the climate and guns and coups and democracy and police and and every other thing and we also and then fit this into your thing and this is your job and i just go i will write this for as long as people are willing to pay me money to do it um until then, until Penguin says stop or some other publishers, you know, like until that point, um, I'm just going to keep going. Because, again, you know, Robin, like you said, like, I mean, like we came out early. I came out in, in 2001. Like, it, you know, it's, it's the earlier day. Um, and it's it's a matter of we have to relearn, unfortunately, the lessons that we learned then, which is like you being you is never going to please everybody. It's just not, there's just going to be some people, no matter what you do, they're going to keep saying, Oh, I just want to understand. I just want to understand. I just want to understand. And they'll do that until you have, until they have wrung you out like a sponge. Mm -hmm. Um, and they just, and they put the onus on you. Oh, I would have supported you. You just didn't explain it enough or explain it. Right. You didn't fight for your humanity hard enough. So therefore you, I'm still withholding. Um, so I think for me, that just goes like you have to relearn that when you're writing these books, you just have to go, is somebody paying me for that? Great. I'm going to worry about what they have to say. I'm not going to worry about what anybody else has to say. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's part of the conversation too. I was wondering like how to ask that. Like, do you, is that like, I mean, obviously it would be a fear of like, okay, um, when, when would the well like dry out in terms of like, I would like to continue to create books for queer people about queer people um, and whoever else wants to read, like how, I just think that's scary. It's like being an author, especially right now. It's like, okay, when is it going to be illegal? Like you said, like, when does like, what goes on there? Um, but yeah. you worded that very well. So I think as, as, I think as long as we live in a capitalist system, you can count mm-hmm. on if it's making people money, it can keep going. somehow. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, luckily the, the point is, is like, if we can keep queer books doing really well, this will keep going for a lot longer. That's why I say, mm-hmm. don't just worry about you. Make sure you're supporting your fellow authors, making sure you are widening that spectrum of people who have who have access to those books. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, people like, um, if we keep hitting New York Times bestsellers list, like Jason June just did with that at the Blue, which is an enormous feat for any queer author or any queer book. Um, and we should celebrate that every single time um, for as long as it's possible because that opens the doors for the next people and the next people and the next people. Um, mm-hmm. And it makes it all possible. Um, and I think hopefully these folks will eventually, my hope is they get bored and they move on to a new target. But again, they, they seem to have an unlimited well of energy, which is the yeah. scariest thing. They're like a hydro. You cut a head off of one. There's there's five more. Well, I was telling my mom. I was like, I was like, they have the energy. They have more energy than we do because they don't have to talk to them. We have to talk to them. They don't have the energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, if queer people get exhausted by something, you know it's bad. We are not exhaustible usually. Yeah. I don't know how I yeah, existed yeah. after college. Like, how did I do any of the things that I did? Drag until six a.m. Sure. Me doing that now, I cannot fathom how exhausted I would be. In a corset? In tights? In heels? Walking through Philadelphia? No. I think not. Putting on makeup? No. No. <laughs> Leaving the house? No. I keep buying it. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I just write each, write each queer book like it's your last. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Life advice. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's and I think just a, I'm very, very happy we get to do this because I certainly remember when, you know, I, I wrote for 10 years, not including any queer characters, which just seems wild now. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, you know, it just, in fact, we're in this thing right now, which is, which is right. I'm not saying it's like, oh, I feel so grateful that we can mm-hmm. now tell our own story. But um, I think that is the thing, which is just like, you know, we're in a very, we are in a way in a blessed period right now. Yeah. Where, mm-hmm. um, we are able to do that. And that's why I just say it every time you get that chance, swing for the fences because could be the last one. Well, we've been talking for almost an hour. I didn't know if there was anything else you guys wanted to like talk about, bring up. I, can I just say one thing, which is just, I think that the, the community of people who are writing these books mm-hmm. is an amazing community. And mm-hmm. for me, that's been, I guess, one, um, well, I don't know, silver lining is not quite the right word, but I very much have not, never felt like I was in this alone. Um, mm-hmm. And that I think that, that that's definitely been a real positive and that there's, you know, just a huge amount of, of support from other authors and people boosting each other's books and people who get why these books matter um, mm-hmm. and the importance and, and, and not just other writers, but also, you know, the librarians and um, 
lots of people who are speaking up and, and, you know, working incredibly hard to try to keep the books on shelves and so on. So that, that piece is um, encouraging anyway. Mm-hmm. It's also nice as like a reader um, when authors like lift each other up, it's like seeing a person that you're like, Oh, the, this person I'm like reading all about, they're like my friend. Uh, just like seeing them like talk about another author that you love. You're like, Oh my God. It's just like, it's nice. <laughs> And that's like, I think the sweetest thing that I've realized about like jumping into this specific like reading community is how many people know each other and people like lifting up each other and just like interacting. Um, It's just like very nice. Um, And, you know, authors who are like you two who are very willing to come and chat with us about, you know, serious topics and just silly things too. Uh, I think that's the nicest part of the community, I think, is just... The authors themselves. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to get to do that. I mean, like like books like Adams that did not exist when I was a teen that like should have, you know, books that would have made Mm -hmm. such a a big difference. So when you actually, you know, get to read those books and then meet the people who wrote them, like that's, 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 it's very cool. (laughs) That's so nice. uh, No, I I mean, like it's a, it's a great, it's a great community. And I I just think like everybody's so talented. I feel like I I just think like, like giving you know, queer books and, you know, across, across the whole, um, you know, identity spectrum and, you know, and, and, and queer POC people, you know, it, it's like, like having, and I was saying this um, to, to the person interviewing me about Hide the Pride, which was, um, I think books with queer rep are so much more doing a thing than I would say queer movies and TV because um, there's just with books you are, and that's why I think they're going after it harder is because with books, there is such a, um, you get such a spectrum of different ideas and different, you know, different perspectives of queer. I think you just, you don't get as much variety um, in film and TV than you, because mm-hmm. there's just fewer things are picked. Um, mm-hmm. And then we are having such a breadth of things where it's like, you know, it's not going to be one size fits all. You're not going to, you'll be, you'll be a queer person and read, um, you know, you can read out of the blue. Um, and then, you know, you know, and, and see yourself, you know, in that, in that, in that gender queer, um, you know, more person's point of view. Um, or if you read, um, you know, 99 boyfriends, if you're, you know, like there, there's, there's all different, like you can see various different types of things. I think that's another thing that's important. I think a lot of times when you grow up queer, you think like, oh, I have to be this certain type of way or I have to stop being who I am to be a queer person. There's like, no, you, so like, I think books have a really good power to like, by showing you all of these different types of ways to be queer, it's really like giving you options of mirrors to just say like, is this you? Is this you? Is this you? And as you're sort of mm-hmm. not necessarily trying it on is the wrong word, but like as you sort of seeing like, is this correct? Does this feel mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's a higher likelihood that a kid's going to see that and go, oh, okay, I can, I can be queer and have that ID and also remain my super unique self. Like, a, you know, a character who can read Heartstopper, which is a little more, um, which is a little more chaste, you know, um, you know, can see themselves in that. But then if they read like, you know, Lev Rosen's um, Jack of Hearts, which is a little more sexually adventurous, you know, like, uh, you know, Lev has shared with me, you know, like, you know, the p- people who respond to that book really well. And they're like, oh, wow, I saw a lot more of myself and I feel less like a, a sex monster. By, you know, by <laughs> a, lot of queer, a lot of queer media that makes it to movie and TV is all very like, 
we are now going to touch pinkies and the end of thing, mm-hmm. you know, the, there's a place for Longingly that. But like, look I across think, the room. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and that's why I say like more and, because I think that's what gives you that validation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, things like with religion as well, right? For 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 kids mm-hmm. to know that they don't have to choose between their religious community and their sexuality, or they don't have to choose, mm-hmm. you know, that that whatever whoever they are and all parts of themselves. And I think that, yeah, Adam, you're right. I mean, the more, the more diverse representation there is within queer YA, the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was something that was super important to me, writing Surrender Your Sons too, which is about religious abuse. And it's a, an ensemble, really, where you see, a dozen different kids, all with different IDs, all being religiously abused by the same outfit. And they're and they're in the wake of that story in the epilogue, we kind of see like where each of them goes from that. And some stay within the church, some don't. Um, and it and each one I I tried to validate each one mm-hmm. in my own way. Um, and you get to see sort of like, okay, where do you draw that line? Some of them, some of them stay at home. Some of them could not mend those fences, um, uh, you know, and, and they're sort of like, you know, you're just seeing like, hey, OK, well, I wanted to I wanted this book to be a manual for like if this was you mm. um, and you had no choice but to stay at home. Here's here's what you do. And if this was you and you were thrown out, here's here's what could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and if this is you and your parents suddenly woke up out of a days and we're like what did they do and they and they did a 180 here's how you digest that as well um because it's just there's just too many of us we're such a cross-section of like all of society mm-hmm. that it's just it's 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 impossible to me that we even ever even once were like oh this is this is the show for all of you yeah um it's just it's there's just too many there's too many Mm -hmm. people that's why i think like the the solution is 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 to also is just to make sure that we're around in in other stories and other genres you know Mm because not everybody wants to read a Mm rom-com you know people want to people are fantasy like people are fantasy like nerds like they really want to get in there and do that like there Mm -hmm. needs to be fantasies that there's there's like horror nerds there needs to be like the dark stories there needs to be like all of that and I think that's to be the thing none of us should rest until and that's that that's what I'm worried about way more I don't think that there ever is going to be like a, it's now illegal mm-hmm. um I, I think what's more likely to happen is like we just start picking these are the two these are the two genres these are the two mm-hmm. ideas that, and, and there's a winnowing down yeah. that's more right. what I'm worried about right I need more queer horror in my life um i'm sure something would like for me to stop picking the same book over and over again but here i am um (laughs) but um we're so excited that we got to talk to both of you guys i'm so glad that we were able to plan this and that no one is sick in the house anymore and that we're all good um we love that yeah and that you guys are both in uh good health right now as well um it's it's great I was half expecting either Adam or I to get sick just because, you know. I was thinking that, yeah. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> just mental health. Just mental health. Just, oh, the, old, just the mental just, health. Just the old brain. Yeah. <laughs> we love a good brain fog. Uh-huh. Well, I, I want to I wanna pull it together and end on a positive note because this obviously yeah. is a very intense conversation. Yeah. And um, I, I just wanted to ask that 
if you have recommendations for mm-hmm. a, maybe a book you read or a movie or any li- anything that happened to you recently in the queer space that just kind of made you smile or made you feel a little bit of a, some hope or just anything. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't, I'm about to put you on the spot. <laughs> we'll edit it if it takes time to think of something. But I, I like to end it on a positive note if we can. Just yeah. a little My mind is going completely here. blank in terms of what I've read recently, but like one <laughs> of good news that I'm super excited about is Tom Ryan's Keep This to Yourself being made into a TV series. <laughs> yes. Queer We're going to get, again, like, I'm, it's so Tom Ryan, like, deserved, like, that book is so good, and I cannot mm-hmm. wait for it to be um, fleshed out in the way it did. Yeah, that, that, was, mm-hmm. that was definitely a highlight for me. Um, I think, and I already mentioned um, Jason Jones out of the blue, which mm-hmm. I blurred. Um, it was, it was just, it's such a good book. Like, I just think it's exactly like you know, um, they just really like nailed this part of the market. I just like the murders and stuff. Like, I just, I just think it was like such an untapped thing. I was just like, oh, thank God, someone finally did it. We were all begging for it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I think I'm just loving the success that they're seeing. Um, and then uh, also I want to give a future shout out. Um, so um, yeah, my my bestie, uh, Terry J. Ben Walker is uh, coming out with his uh, debut. Uh, Blood Debts uh, from Tour Teen is coming out in the spring. Oh, I know the release date, I don't know if it's public, so I'm just gonna say spring, um, but uh, <laughs> spring 2023, um, the sort of pre-arc arcs are already out there floating around. So like expect that buzz to build. It is, it is a wonderful um, uh, dual POV uh, uh, black wife essay and is from uh, uh, two twin siblings. Um, it's a, a, a gay brother and uh, straight sister. And uh, it's about New Orleans magic and it's all very like true blood, but like magic and witchery. And it's, it's so, and I think it has, and I was, and I was telling Terry the other day, I was like, this book is going to be just, it's going to be just so, so cute. I just want to call it now. I just want to on the record. Um, because like, I just, I'm thinking like, it's just such, it's such a good book. I've, I've read it like a million times and it just mm-hmm. is, um, I think it really has the potential to push queer YA into a different space of kind of what we think is possible. I think it's, um, it's very intense. I think it has a lot of adult crossover appeal. I think fans of Libra Jesus are going to really love it. I think it's, mm. um, um, you know, it's violent, you know, like it's really like, it's like a revenge bloody. It's just, it's just so Ooh. good. Like, I'm just You're like, like, it's, hitting like, again, everything like, for me. Yeah. It sounds it's amazing. Something that are like, be like New Orleans, be True Blood, Lee Bardugo. Yes. Let's go. I'm in. Yeah. Yes. This sounds no, fantastic. Like, market, market. You can pre-order it now. I think get it on your Goodreads, um, Blood Debts. Um, and it's, and it's a trilogy. So, um, it's going to be great. <gasps> oh, I yeah. love hearing it's a trilogy. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> also, um, so Adam, you said that your next book comes out in September, the best month. Um, yes. yes. As, a, as a Virgo who That's has a birthday in September. Uh, September. <laughs> September. Well, it's September. It's September 20th. So it's a cusp. So. Well, Ooh. I'll take it. Okay. There we go. <laughs> I'll yeah. claim it. I'm claiming <laughs> all, all of the month of September. All right. Yeah. yeah. All of so September is, is for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Surrender Your Sons was like a very, very intense you know, thriller, religious abuse. It was, it was all very heavy, but you know, this, this coming book, 99 boyfriends of Mike Summers is totally the opposite. I'm giving you range. Um, it is, um, it is just a rom-com. It is, it is the super sweetest thing I could have ever thought to write. This is like, cause I feel like I just love all of these genres so much, like these different mm-hmm. movie genres, book genres. And I just was like, okay, well, I'm just going to pile all the 
rom-com stuff that I love so much. Like I wanted this to be just like this huge Nora Ephron thing. It's all very dialogue heavy and, and back and forth and, and, and big sort of John Hughes casts of the adults are all interesting people. So I think that was something that I really, I was really like stressing. I was like, there needs to be a feeling of ensemble to this. Um, mm-hmm. And it said in mm-hmm. Chicago, but I, but I told everybody, I said like, um, I want this to be a fantasy Chicago, kind of how Amelie's Paris is. That's not really Paris, but it's like a very rose hued version mm-hmm. that you can't go and visit, but it's going to live in your mind. So that's what I wanted to do for Chicago. Um, Cause I, I'm from that area. And uh, and so it's, it's a Cinderella retelling, but from the prince's point of view and 99 boyfriends is about, he's got, so uh, it's like when you're, when you're, when you're not when you're closeted, but when you haven't started dating yet, it's mm-hmm. like your dating pool is smaller, you know, not everybody, you know, yeah. is out. And yeah. just your dating pool is just smaller. So like for him, he has, the, you have these, like when you're queer and not dating it and you don't really have the, the sort of, the, you know, you don't, you haven't plucked up that courage enough yet to ask him out. Mm-hmm. Um, you you see somebody you crush really hard and you invent this sort of like fantasy relationship in your head yeah. and it's I don't know if you can relate um, yes. <laughs> but then you know and that energy has to go somewhere because you're not mm. going to have that person out and so so what he does he's an artist he illustrates them he just like draws the person kind of a big caricature of that person in a fantasy setting like how he thinks like their relationship would be and then he posts it onto his Instagram page with this big you know, it's this big kind of art hit and, um, and then he gets that out of his system and he goes on to the next crush. And so he does that 99 times and he's like, I'm so sick of this. I'm so lonely. I need to start asking somebody out. So whoever boy 100 is, mm-hmm. that's who it's going to be. Um, that's who I'm going to ask out. And so he meets boy 100 on a train. They have a meet cute. They, through a series of unfortunate events, are split up before they know each other's names, phone numbers, contact info, and the train shuts in their faces and they are tragically separated. And so Micah then starts the book out um, on a quest to, uh, to, to tap into his kingdom of Instagram followers to say, I need to find who this person was. Yeah. Um, so that's the Cinderella part of it. Um, I love so it. I can't, that's, that wrong. sounds wonderful. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so, so exciting. It's Super lit 100, and this is boy 100. So yeah, it's all meant to be. <laughs> Robin, do you are you allowed to talk about the book that you're editing right now, or do you have anything else that's yeah. coming out um, soon? Oh, perfect. Yeah, no, I have one coming out in August, which is Kid Trailblazers, which mm-hmm. is like a middle grade nonfiction in the Kid Legends series, mm-hmm. um, and it does have a couple queer people in it. Um, and then the one I'm working on now that I'm in edits for is called Queer History A to Z, 100 Years of Activism. And it's a um, middle grade nonfiction book mm-hmm. about queer history. Um, and then I'm right. also working on a YA novel, which is not sold yet or not under contract or anything, but it's um queer ghost story, YA ghost story that I'm really... Um, I just I just uh, had a good long chat with Tom and did some brainstorming. Tom Ryan, he's so good at that. So I'm really too. psyched to sit yeah. down and get back to that one. And yeah, that's so exciting. Those yeah, all sound great. Yes. We love a ghost story. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's another thing is I think queer horror I think especially is going to have a boon right now, especially in in the fallout yeah. of all this because. I mean, I know I'm, you know, uh, my next few projects are horror based. Um, and so I was like, 
this is just got to be the, this is the place where I'm just going to be dumping all of my emotions because they have to go somewhere. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, can't, like, I can't, you know, like I have to, I have to do something. I, my, my body physically has to do something. So it's all getting mm-hmm. poured into like, let's see who's heads to each up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think to horror in general is too, is like transitioning. We had into kind of like a more art house, like kind of like that area and it's being more, accepted as not just like a genre we're we're jumping out of the you know the 90s 2000s slasher kind of schlocky though i yeah. love that stuff yeah. um but uh so, so i think it's the, yeah exactly no yeah. It's, but we're moving definitely into that kind of genre so i think it's the perfect time for a lot of queer horror to start mm-hmm. to emerge a little spooky i want to see yeah, I want to see it all. I want everybody to just exercise all their demons through. Yeah, let's words. go. I just want to see. How, I want to see how angry everyone is so badly. It's going to be so great. Remember, kids, we have Pride Month and then we have Wrath Month, and then after that, let's, let's go. Yeah. Yes. Wrath Month is going to be again. You know, Robin, you said like this Pride Month feels a little icky and a little off. Like Wrath Month is going to be. It's going to be on. It's going to be as yeah. on as yeah. on. Be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We're going for everyone's neck. Yes. <laughs> as soon as it hits midnight. <laughs> Get ready, kids. <laughs> you'll receive your envelopes and you'll know what to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with us, guys. I guess I can just close out the episode then. Thank I I thank you so much for sharing and like an hour of your time with us today. It was very sweet for you guys to push it back so many times for us. But yeah. So my name is Brendan Patrick. We have Sophie Green. We have Adam Sass with us here. And we have Robin Stevenson. And you've been listening to the Super Lit Podcast. Outro music.